Well, I've talked about it many times here at Heartland College Sports, and that is just um, how much we have seen an increase in our response, our reaction from you, the Big 12 fan, uh, when it comes to our softball and our baseball coverage. We're now really in, in year two of spending a lot of time on softball in particular. And a big reason for that is uh, a guy that you read all the time on the site. I hope you check out his uh, Portal podcast as well, which is part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Just search Portal Podcast or Heartland College Sports wherever you get your podcast. You'll find it there. And that's Brian Clinton, who joins us on heartlandcollegesports.com. Brian, um, it's your time of the year, man. This is like, I imagine this is like Christmas morning for you with softball regionals starting this weekend. I love it. This is my favorite time of year to cover. I mean, I love football. It's got a good place in my heart, but there's nothing like softball whenever the tournament starts. Yeah, uh, this is, uh, and you know, with how good the Big 12 has been this year, it's it's pretty exciting. So, you know, we got four Big 12 teams that are playing in regionals uh, this weekend, and obviously it's Oklahoma versus the field. Uh, let's just start off with OU. They're 51-1. and one. That one loss is to Baylor back in February in non-conference play. If OU, not that they're stumbling this weekend, I don't think anybody believes that Hofstra, Cal, or Missouri have a chance to get out of that regional. But if you were to say right now, like, what is the weakness for Oklahoma? If we're just looking down the road through this entire tournament, is there something, could you even make the case for why a team could eventually take down Oklahoma, whether it's, you know, down the road in a super regional or in an NC, or I guess I should say a World Series? It's going to be tough. If there is one thing that I've seen that you could calculate as a weakness for Oklahoma, there are times whenever their offense goes a bit quiet for a couple of innings. But that's why I say it's going to be difficult because it's typically not more than an inning or two. Um, OU really rounds itself out well in latter innings if it doesn't get started off hot um, at the plate. And so if if there's a team out there that can – uh, get a big lead, and we're talking four or five runs minimum, uh, they can feel comfortable maybe about their chances, but they still, it's not a lot, it's not a locked-in deal. I mean, this team leads the country in batting average and ERA and fielding percentage and in scoring, along with four or five other statistical categories. So we're talking about a team that's dominating the sport in all aspects. So it's going to be really tough for somebody to knock them off, not just once, but twice. Uh, with everything being double elimination from here on out. Now, what about uh, Coach Gasso? I mean, clearly she's got a team that, heck, Iowa State's coach called them the 27 Yankees last week at the Big 12 tournament. <laughs> so uh, the, these cheating accusations, I mean, where where does any of this even come from when it comes to, you know, this Oklahoma Sooners team, which is just immensely talented? And, and you wrote about this last year when, you know, OU was landing top-tier transfers. Where does that come from? And do you think Coach Gasso is being strong enough in, in calling it out the way that she did? So this all stems really from a comment that Mike White made back before Texas uh, took on Oklahoma in the regular season. He seemed to imply that the Sooners were cheating in a way that they continue to reload each and every year. Um, and, and it was just something that he, he kind of backed off of his comments after saying it a bit. Uh, and said that he he wasn't going to say any more. Well, he insinuated enough. It got to Coach Gasso, and at first she said she you know she was going to take the high road, and um, she's had some time to think about it since then. And and I know with how competitive she is, it's had to have eaten her up. And so for her to call it a complete joke and an embarrassment for the sport of softball, she's absolutely right. I mean, Oklahoma has set the standard for the last ten years, but she has made sure that that program's been run the right way for 
over two decades now. So we're not looking at we're not looking at something that is just started here all of a sudden since the transfer portal became a thing. Oklahoma was dominating the sport before that was even a part of it. So mm-hmm. um, I think her having the strong uh, comments that she had about them recently, I think that that was justified, definitely. As an Oklahoman, Brian, I'd be curious on on your perspective on this because, you know, we talk all about Oklahoma and, and they've rightfully earned that. But, I mean, Oklahoma State's sitting there hosting a regional top 10 team in the country. I know they, you know, struggled down the stretch. But what is it about that sport that has really, it seems like, encapsulated um, the entire state in a very unique way where you've got the, you know, uh, Hall of Fame complex there. You have these two top 10 teams uh, it's pretty unique in a sport that is the fastest growing sport in all of college sports. So how has the state embraced it and and how has that played out there? Well, and you know, that's just it is that the, the, the Olympic team, the softball team, the hall of fame stadium is there in Oklahoma city. And I think that that plays a huge role in it because this is just this part of the country. Softball is, is king during the spring. I mean, this is what people watch around here. Uh, my alma mater, Roger State, won the national championship last year uh, up in Claremore, Oklahoma, and that's in Division II softball. And so it, it really, at, from the high school level all the way up through the college ranks and JUCO, um, softball is just different in the state of Oklahoma, and they take it very seriously. Uh, this is the this is the softball capital of the world, and I think that uh, with people wanting to get to Oklahoma City in June every year, with that being such a big deal as the road to Oklahoma City, I think that um, if you can get there and be right down the road and pretty much play in a home environment uh, for the Sooners or for the Cowgirls, uh, it's it's something that a lot of people dream of and want to do, and, and I think that's why you're seeing it become so prevalent nowadays because as the sport grows, those programs grow right along with it. Yeah, uh, that's a, a good point. So let's look at Oklahoma State and um, what's going to be happening in Stillwater. Uh, you know, I, I'd say we talk about the – Norman Regional, but I just don't think there's a lot of reason to do that right now. And you can tell me otherwise, but we'll go to Stillwater. Uh, you've got Wichita State, who has beaten Oklahoma State a couple of times, right? You have Nebraska. Oklahoma State will start off against um, University of Maryland, Baltimore. So are we headed for an Oklahoma State, Wichita State showdown in this uh, regional in Stillwater? That's what it feels like to me. And I, I do think that Oklahoma State should be the favorite still to come out of this region because playing in front of a postseason crowd in Stillwater is going to be a huge boost for them. I mean, there, you can't you can't simulate what that's going to be like whenever it switches over from the regular season to the postseason. It, it's just a different intensity. It's just different. And so um, I expect Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State to come in and look – better than we saw from them over the last few weeks. I mean, it really – you can't lose to North Texas and Kansas in the span of five games and people not be worried about you. But they still – they were given an opportunity here to kind of hit the reset button, right? At the, as the sixth seed, they had the opportunity to host this weekend and next weekend. And I don't think that Kenny Gajewski's team is going to be quick to give that up. Um, they are going to have to turn things around in a big way, though, because Wichita State is not – Obviously not a pushover. They've beaten Oklahoma State twice this season. Uh, and that's a team that was right on the outside looking in whenever it came to hosting uh, a regional this week. And so um, we're really looking at two teams that I think are headed on a collision course for one another. 
Nebraska and Oklahoma State have played a couple times this year. The games weren't overly competitive. Uh, Oklahoma State had their way with Nebraska, and, and UMBC is is kind of a team that that's happy to be here. Um, and it's a good opportunity for them to, to go up against Oklahoma State and try to get them while they're down. But I think the Pokes are, are certainly the team to be watching and, and Wichita State right along with them. What's been going wrong for the Cowboys here down the stretch? I mean, you know, you, you lose to Oklahoma and get swept. I, that is what it is. But what else has gone wrong for this team um, down the last few weeks of the season? So when the slide started, their bats got really cold. The Cowgirls were good all season long. Um, putting runs on the board and scoring with runners or, or hitting the ball with runners in scoring position, but they've left a lot of, a lot of runners on base and um, they were really struggling to, to even get on base for the first couple of games that they, that they lost there in a row. The pitching has been good throughout, but it, it became very uncharacteristic in the big 12 tournament whenever it was four costly errors against Kansas that ended up, them losing them a game and so um at this point it kind of feels like they're finding two ways to lose whenever they get on the field which is just is not a good thing uh, obviously especially going into the postseason but uh but the offense was was the issue and then in the big 12 tournament it was the defense and so i think they just need to i think it's a head thing right now i think they're they're probably a little more um wrapped up in trying to protect a ranking or, or a seed or, or whatever than they are just playing the game. And, and I think if they can get back to just playing, uh, they'll be just fine. Okay. Well, that I mean, I think that they need that because I, I do wonder, like you, and you're watching obviously much more of this than I am, but when a team this talented starts to slide the way that they have, you you got to imagine, especially in the sport of baseball or softball that are incredibly mental sports, that's at least – part of what's going on and and sometimes it is as you noted there brian just a reset postseason's here it's a new year new time of season everyone's oh and oh right and just kind of having that approach to things yes exactly and kenny guy was asked that at the big 12 tournament uh this was an opportunity for for his team to reset and he just kind of spoke about how um you know he he feels really bad for his team with how hard they've worked because it just seems like something new each week Mm-hmm. And so uh, he did say that they would take some time and, and kind of re regather. He wasn't going to take them and go run them or practice them extra hard or anything like that. Cause that's not what they need. They need to just, they need to rest. They need to regroup and they need to get back that mental side of the game that they've kind of lacked here for the last few weeks. Brian Clinton is uh, joining us talking about the NCAA softball regionals uh, that are coming up uh, this weekend. Of course, four big 12 teams are in regionals. Brian, uh, let's talk about Texas and what's going on in the Austin Regional. When you look at Texas, it's Seton Hall, A&M, and Texas State. you got to love A&M and Texas in the same regional. It kind of feels like the NCAA tournament where they try to find storylines as well. Uh, what are the odds that we uh, get Texas versus A&M ultimately for a spot in a Super Regional? I think that's probably the favorite right now would be those two. Um, I, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I think we're going to get at least one matchup with them um, on, on Saturday after the the winner's bracket starts up at 2 o'clock. So I think we'll at least get one matchup, if not more. Um, and it should be fun. I mean, A&M comes into the tournament. They uh, they lost in the SEC tournament to a red-hot South Carolina team. and uh, but, the, but they've got wins, series wins over Missouri, Ole Miss, Kentucky, and Arkansas all of which who are in the NCAA tournament. So 
Um, you know, Texas A&M provides a, a really good challenge for, for the Longhorns, but I still think the Longhorns are the best in their in their region. Obviously, they they garnered getting a seed there at number thirteen, so I think that they're they're plenty equipped to come out of that. Um, but but they do have a tough region. Texas State is a team that is probably a little bit underrated, um, and I think that that's going to be a, a tough one. And then Seton Hall even is in the top one hundred in the RPI, and they come out uh, after upsetting UConn in the Big East championship, and and I think that they're uh, they've won the last 25 of their last 30 games. So they're really good. Uh, there's a really good region going on down there. It should be a lot of fun softball, but I think Texas still has the upper hand. And I know that you wrote about this, but uh, you know, seeing the reaction or lack thereof from the Longhorns as they got you know, put in this regional, they're hosting a regional, obviously, but the teams they got selected with certainly seems like Mike White and, and uh, those girls understand that uh, they've got a pretty tough regional, all things considered, even though it, of course, is in Austin. Right, yeah, and, and last year we saw kind of the same reaction when they didn't have a seed, and, and we all remember how that went. They ended up being the first unseeded team to ever make the championship series. So right. I think this team just, they, they, they play with a, a chip on their shoulder, and um, they need to. Um, I, my one concern with Texas is their youth. Uh, they have tons and tons of, of freshmen playing uh, positions that, are important uh, and have key roles for the team. And so I think that they need to get the most out of Reese Atwood and Leanne Good uh, and and Ashton Maloney and Viviana Martinez. I think that those girls are, are key parts of this squad. Uh, and being freshmen, it's, it's a little bit tough coming into your first NCAA tournament. It's going to be a little bit intimidating, I would imagine. So I think they can get through that first game and get those jitters out of the way uh, and coming away with a win against Seton Hall, I think it'll set up a good run for them uh, because Texas is, is certainly talented enough to make another run. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Baylor, the fourth of the four Big 12 teams that are going to postseason play, but they are not hosting their own regional. They go to Salt Lake City where there's Ole Miss, Utah, and Southern Illinois. Um, I, I, you know, I think in your bracketology, Brian, uh, you had Baylor as the 17th team, which means the first team the missed hosting a regional but, man, I mean, you're the only team in the country to beat Oklahoma. That's got to be worth something, <laughs> right? I mean, I, did Baylor get host here or not? Uh, you would think, and I, and I would say that they did, and, and my reasoning for that is whenever the committee spoke about, the committee head spoke about what was important, top ten wins was something that they cited as important. Well, <laughs> Baylor had six top five wins. And, I mean, we're talking about that's more than the 14, 15, and 16 seeds had combined. So we're not looking at – clearly they weren't using the same uh, rules to rank Alabama, who is a five seed, and Baylor, who is unseeded here. I, I think Baylor uh, should definitely be – feel a little bit slighted in the least to, to be on the road the entire time. But um, I do like their chances in Salt Lake. I mean, I, I think that they probably should be considered the favorite just with um, how they looked in the regular season. No, no, they didn't look great against Iowa State in the Big 12 tournament, but um, I think that's going to be a blip on the radar. The, the Bears looked like the second-best team ending the regular season in the Big 12, and I think that uh, with Dari Orm and, and how well she is, she's played in the circle, and then she, obviously Shailen Govan, who leads the team in home runs, and RBIs is, is a big part of what they do. So I think if they can stay on top, of, of what they do best, which is win games uh, in a gutsy and gritty uh, fashion, I think that they will be just fine. 
So are you – do you think, Brian, is it fair to say uh, you believe four teams can get the Super Regionals out of the Big 12, four for four? Three is maybe the most likely thing. And if this if this league only gets two teams to Super Regionals, that's a big disappointment. Is that a fair uh, assessment? Yes, I think you nailed that right on the head. I think it would be – anything less than three would be disappointing. Um, and I think that there's a possibility, a good possibility for there to be four. Um, I think the three teams hosting – uh, actually, I would say I, I believe Baylor probably has a better shot at, at getting through than Oklahoma State does. If there's a team that was left out, I would think it would be Oklahoma State just because that's how much I respect what Wichita State has been. But um, I still would, would venture to say all four teams have a good shot at making it, and, and it would be my prediction that they do so. Is there? I know you did a written piece on this, but when you look at the rankings for most difficult regionals, um, outside of the Big 12 teams, is there is there one or two that really stands out to you when you say, hey, I think that, you know, for Big 12 fans who are watching this weekend and maybe have some downtime to watch a non-Big 12 regional, what would you recommend that they check out? Just based on whether it's toughness or a lot of evenly matched teams, uh, give us one for Big 12 fans to watch this weekend. Yeah, you know, and I kind of spoke about this yesterday, um, with John Morris uh, uh, with Baylor and, and the toughest region in the country is UCLA. And it may not look like it on paper whenever I say San Diego state Liberty and grand Canyon, but San Diego state is 32nd in RPI Liberty is 28th and grand Canyon is 63rd. So we're talking about uh, teams that, that could be three seeds or two seeds at other regionals and they have them all right there in Los Angeles. Obviously UCLA is the number two team in the country. Uh, and the number two seed in the tournament. So they are well-equipped to, to make it through that, but that's a tough, tough region for them. And then another one that I would look at outside of uh, outside of UCLA would just be at Stanford. Um, they, they host Florida, and Florida's offense is incredible. Stanford's pitching and defense has been incredible. And I think that that's just two of the, the best units in softball kind of going at it with, with one another, and um, you know, I, I really look at that to be an interesting, an interesting series because I, I have no doubt that those teams are going to play at least twice to see who comes out of that one. So, uh, those are two I would be watching. And then, if I wanted to just throw one more in, uh, LSU hosts Louisiana in their regional, and I and I feel like Louisiana definitely, if there's anybody more than Baylor that should feel slighted, it was Louisiana. They were 11th in RPI and they got left out. They got left out of uh, of hosting, and not only that, but they just sent them down the road to to Baton Rouge uh, to the number ten seed uh, with LSU. So I think that Louisiana LSU series could be fun too. Yeah, um, good points. Well, I know this is a great time of year for softball fans as they start getting ready for what is going to be a, a very exciting NCAA softball tournament, and we're going to be all over it at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Uh, Brian's going to be leading the way on that coverage. So, uh, Brian, I'm looking forward to it. I'm hopeful that we'll go four for four in the Big 12 this weekend. That'd be good for all of us uh, here at Heartland College Sports. So, uh, what what else do people need to know? What are you most excited about this weekend as we put a bow in the conversation? Yeah, I, I just, I'm so happy it's this time of year again uh, because, you know, we can, we can talk about the metrics. We can talk about what's going to happen, what we think is going to happen, what will definitely not happen. But, what happens every time we play the game? Something that nobody could predict 
uh, ends up happening in, in these kinds of tournaments. And, and I'm really excited just to see uh, what Cinderella stories start coming out of, of these regions because we know uh, just from past experience we won't have one through 16 make it all the way through. So that, that's just not how this thing works. So I just love following those, uh, those, those upsets and, and the, uh, the storylines that come with it. So it's just great to be this time of year and, and uh, I'm excited for it. Well, great stuff, man. Uh, we'll be watching, we'll be following and reading the coverage as well. Have a, have a great day. Appreciate you, Brian. You too. Thanks Pete. He's Brian Clinton with Heartland College Sports. Uh, He does a podcast for us, by the way. Check it out. The Portal Podcast is what it's called. So uh, talking all things transfer portal, recruiting, uh, that's his bread and butter, mostly on the football side. So be sure to check out that show wherever you get your podcast. Just search Heartland College Sports or Portal Podcast and hit that subscribe button. By the way, uh, you want a free koozie? What do you have to do for this show? Free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you need to do is leave a rating and a review on this show and send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get you hooked up with a free koozie in the mail. I just got another 100 koozies I got to order here, so um, we're taking care of you. We appreciate you, and have a great day. Enjoy the softball this weekend.